Generation Church, based in the beautiful Rex Theater in the heart of downtown Pensacola, Florida. Our hope is that today's teaching will encourage and equip you to be firm in faith, to fulfill the call of God in your life, and to finish well. Grab your Bible, open up your notes app, and let's dive in. Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Michael, good morning, everyone. All right, I have to ask if you guys know this song, sing with me. Zacchaeus was a, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a, for the Lord he wanted to see. Looked up, and he said, To your house today. All right. Good job. Good job. Good job. No, we are not in kids' church. Uh, let me reassure you, kids' church is on the third floor. Um, but I, I decided to do that right now because I was talking with several people after first service, and they're like, you know that song? It reminded me of that, and it's the first time I've heard a message about Zacchaeus, not as a kid. And so uh, I'm glad to hear there are some people here with uh, uh, a heart like a kid, um, because that's what we're going to look at as we look deeper into this passage. And the reason that, that um, we've chosen this particular passage is because Jesus speaks. And in this series called The Red Letters, uh, we want to hear what Jesus has to say. What Jesus has to say. And I, I believe that just like we heard over the last month what Jesus had to say about fasting and prayer, here we're going to hear what Jesus has to say to people that through an encounter, it resulted in life change. And we're going to see over the next few weeks, some encounters produced radical life change immediately. Some, it took time. And here we're going to see in this case, one that happened immediately. <clears throat> we read, he entered Jer- Jericho, excuse me, and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. So our story today happens in the dusty streets of Jericho. And let me give you a little bit of context about this city. This city was actually a cursed city because If you remember, again, children's stories, Joshua and the walls that came down, right? All the walls came down, came crashing down. And so now, um, after that moment, maybe you don't know this, but in Joshua chapter 6, 26, God said that whoever would rebuild that city would lose his son. So nobody rebuilt that city for a long time. But then we read in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 34, someone does, and that person does lose, lose their son. So it actually happened. So it's a cursed city, yet here we see years later, the Son of God himself intentionally walking through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. 
And he's on a mission, obviously, because I, I know I remember when I went to uh, Israel with my wife uh, a, a good while back, I remember being in that bus and we're driving on our way to Jerusalem and the tour guide said, just so you know, if you look right over there, there's Jericho. We're not going to go through it. I'm just showing you. And so I always remembered that, like, well, did you just really have to go through Jericho to get to Jerusalem? And I don't think so. I think he was on a mission um, and he was on a mission to meet someone. See, meanwhile, Jesus is walking towards Jericho. There's a man going about his day and his name is Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus means the righteous one, and he did not live up to his name at all. He was far from that. He was a tax collector, uh, which in the people's eyes, how can I put it nicely, he was a cockroach, hated by everyone, despised, um, really someone that was seen as a traitor because he would take money from them, and the reality is that he actually... Um, did more than that. He was actually known for collecting more taxes than required. <clears throat> and so obviously the feeling that he has from these people, the love that he's feeling, right? Uh, it's no surprise that he was just going to take advantage of them. You know, what else can I do? I'll just make myself rich. It's all about me now because no one really cares about me anyway. I'll care about myself. So this man, righteous? No, far from it. And though he was a renegade in the eyes of the Jews, he was a precious lost sinner in the eyes of God. And I don't know what, um, uh, what has been placed on your life, what names have been placed on your life, what your reputation is. But I'm here to say that you too are a precious lost sinner in the eyes of God, whether you have, uh, he has found you yet or not. And so though uh, he was rich materially, so out, out, outwardly he looked great. Maybe some of us, you know, oh, we look fine. Though inwardly he was spiritually bankrupt but he didn't tell anyone. I mean, who would listen? He didn't have anybody he could really talk to. And it's just interesting. And of course, I'm just kind of seeing between the lines, right? But if I see what happens in Luke 18, at the end of chapter 18, there's this man that's on the road that he, and he's blind and he gets healed by Jesus as Jesus is walking towards Jericho. This is all part of the same day. Probably, Jesus, probably just a couple hours later, Jesus is approaching Jericho now. And so you can imagine the commotion in the streets, after such an incredible healing. And so I just thought about it. And so, okay, imagine Zacchaeus walking by, seeing the commotion in the streets, and there's two men talking. And that conversation, what would it have, would it have looked like? Hey, remember Bartimaeus? Oh, you mean blind Bart? Yeah, yeah, well, blind Bart, he can see. Really, how can he see? You know, you know Jesus, that rabbi? Yeah, he healed him. And Zacchaeus, who does not want to be noticed, probably lurking in the shadows, is hearing this, and he walks away not being seen, but now his heart is pounding and he's compelled because one thing we do know about scripture is this, verse three, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. He is compelled. I must see Jesus. And so what we see here, the first person in this story, really Zacchaeus is what? He's a seeking sinner. In your outline, you can write that down. He's the seeking sinner. And what does it say about him? He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. This morning, I want to kind of follow what a seeker goes through. A seeker, really, usually it starts, the starting point for a seeker is what? It's curiosity. Now, I know curiosity killed the cat, but curiosity can also open a way to a new life, especially if you're curious about the truth. And he couldn't explain it, but there'd been a yearning for more for a while now. So Zacchaeus is curious and he must find out who this Jesus is. 
And so he hears that Jesus is on his way. He's coming. Only we see in scripture there's two problems. Problem number one is this crowd that I just said hates his guts. I mean, he hates, they, they hate him. If they see him, they'll just say, get out of here. We don't want you. Jesus isn't for you, right? And not only that, the other detail that the Bible gives us is that he was small in stature. What an interesting detail. But it reminded me of a small person and a crowd. I remember years back, I was at a concert and there was no chairs. Everyone like first come, first serve. And I'm trying to find a good spot where I can actually see. And I'm not, I'm not tall, but I'm not small. And I'm like, okay, I can see okay. Until this one guy comes right in front of me, big bushy head. And I'm like, really? Bushy hair? Come on. You know, and so, <laughs> sorry, Pastor Greg. That wasn't, it wasn't you. It wasn't you. <clears throat> um, and, so, and so that's what Zacchaeus is feeling in that moment, right? He can't get over the crowd. He can't see where Jesus is. And, and the reality is a lot of times when you are faced with your limitation, a lot of times, how many of us, we just draw back? We just abandon. Well, I guess it's not for me. Not only that, the crowd, if they'd, they'd see him, they'd tell him, get out. They'd, they'd remind him why he has no business being there. They'd probably try to find a good way to trample over him if they could. Oh, it's the crowd's fault, but here we go, right? And, and not only that, that's what he's dealing with, the limits he's doing, dealing with physically. But what about the limits in his mind? Again, we don't know what he's thinking, but to see where he is and the fact that he's small, like I know a little bit about that, and you could have childhood flashbacks. He could be thinking, oh yeah, when they used to call me Tiny Zach, always chosen last. I'm invisible. No one cares about me. I mean, all these lies flooding into his mind. Invisible. And it's the worst thing in the world, not to feel seen. And when I read what I read, I can just see Zacchaeus not feeling seen. And I mean, no wonder he turned out the way he did in actual reality, they don't care about me. Then guess what? I'll just care about myself and I'll just take advantage of them and I'll live my life. My motto, YOLO, SOLO. That's going to be my life. That was Zacchaeus, right? They don't care about me. Limitations in our life, we all have them. And here's the thing. Limitations will either prevent us in our seeking or propel us. It's very interesting to see here that he does not let his limitations make him draw back and retreat. His limitation, in other words, small, is what propelled him to a place where not only he'd see what he's been looking for, but he himself would finally be seen. What do you do with your limitations? And let's talk about this limitation, small. Because let's all agree, we're all small spiritually. You know, maybe it's a good thing to realize that. No one measures up to God's standards. Maybe the problem isn't that we're small, it's when we don't realize that we're small. Maybe that's the real danger, the real tragedy, thinking that we're big enough or that we're good enough. Oh yeah? By what standards? We let the world determine what success is. Oh, success is power, position, popularity, and how wrong we are. In fact, God hates what the world calls success because that success keeps us in this illusion that we're enough. This self-sufficiency is a dangerous trap. But I love it here because Zacchaeus, you see, as a seeker, Zacchaeus has acknowledged his limitation. I can't look over the crowd. He doesn't retreat. He's going to look for another way. Acknowledging our limitations, that's a good first place to be. In your curiosity to acknowledge what you can and cannot do. Because when you reach that point where you realize what your limit is, you realize that in front of you, you have a limitless God. 
that will, that will meet you and take you the rest of the way. And so what does Zacchaeus do about it? He hasn't yet seen Jesus, but he wants to. Why? Because his curiosity has turned into something else. If you're taking notes, it says here the climb, the climb of what? The climb of desperation. We read, so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. The climb of desperation. From curiosity to desperation. Listen, desperation is good. Why? Because desperation initiates encounter. We see here Zacchaeus, he didn't wait for Jesus to approach him. He took the initiative. And let me ask you, are you desperate for more of God? If you are, it should translate with desperation. A desire to see more, that you're not satisfied. You want more of him. We, that's one reason why we met together at the beginning of the year and every night we'd come for prayer because I, there was a hunger and a thirst for more of God. And we're going to see it in, in the rest of the year just coming before him. We want more of you. And it, it is a good thing to be desperate, but here's what happens. Here's how we can tell if there's true desperation in us is desperation calls for desperate measures. And what do we see Zacchaeus doing? He does two things that just are very unlikely for him. First, he ran ahead much like a child at the front of a parade. He's acting like a kid. But what's interesting is if you read a chapter before, as Zacchaeus is, as Jesus, sorry, is walking towards Jericho, he actually says this. This is one of his red letters. Verse 17, Luke 18. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And that is Zacchaeus', Zacchaeus heart. He didn't hear Jesus say that, but that is his heart. He doesn't care what other people think. He is so desperate that he will even lay down his stature. Listen, a man of his stature would never run. I'm talking about, not talking about his height, but his social position. A man like that would never run in those days. But desperation will risk ridicule if it can lead to release. And that's what Zacchaeus believed. And maybe this is for you this morning. Are you desperate for more of God? Guess what? Desperation will risk ridicule if you know that it can lead to release. And so Zacchaeus has finally arrived. He's ahead of everybody and he's tired of running. But he's not just tired of running, he's tired of wrestling with his doubts. And he's thinking, okay, I'm here now. I still want to see Jesus, but I don't want anyone to see me. Where could I hide? And then he saw it, the sycamore. I know the sycamore sounds like a sofa from Ikea, but it's actually a tree. Check it out. That's what a sycamore looks like. And so just imagine Zacchaeus getting there, seeing the tree. It's like, yeah, there's some great places I could hide. I could hide right over there, right over there, right, right up there, behind the trees. No one will see me there. Right? I just don't want to be seen. He thinks this is a perfect hiding place for a small, bitter, miserable man such as myself. Was he thinking that? I don't know. But I'd bet that some of us have thought that about ourselves. I don't think I'd be far off if I would think that some of us have looked in the mirror and hated ourselves in that way, putting ourselves down like that. And maybe he thought it, maybe he didn't, but it didn't matter. His desperation was stronger. And so he went from curiosity to desperation. And now, like a kid, again, he climbs a tree. He climbs a tree and he's hiding. He's hiding, but he's seeking. He's waiting for Jesus. I mean, he's in full-on search mode. And I know this because of the acts of desperation of such a man. No one would run ahead like 
with, with, with the, the, the type of man he was, he would not run ahead, he would not climb a tree, but here he's doing that. Here he's doing that. And, and by the way, God loves it when we seek him. But there's a way to seek him. Zacchaeus is seeking him in the right way, the kind of way where you risk ridicule, right? And how do I know this? I look at scripture, Jeremiah 29, 13. Here's a verse about seeking God, but, but look. It says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You can't seek him half-heartedly. And maybe there's some here, you've been seeking him half-heartedly. You're kind of like, yeah, God, but also this. I need, to, I need to focus on this, and this is what's important to me. But yeah, God, but also this. Proverbs eight seventeen, God speaking as the personification of wisdom. He says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Zacchaeus, that's what he's doing. He's not just seeking, and then as soon as the first limitation comes, he's gone. No, he's wholeheartedly in this pursuit. James 4, 8 Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. There's the promise. But also look, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And so we have here the seeking sinner, but he's right where he's supposed to be. He's gone from curiosity to desperation. He's acknowledged his limitations and he's right where he's supposed to be. Little did he know though, he was about to encounter the seeking savior. That's right. The seeking savior is what was really at the beginning of everything. See, Zacchaeus was seeking maybe for a while now to see the Savior, but he didn't know that the Savior had been seeking him long before. I believe this with all my heart, that things had been set into motion by the Creator, and it seemed to all lead to the sycamore tree. When I look at the sycamore tree, I see it as a symbol of the divine appointment. It's a divine appointment. This is not a chance encounter that Jesus has with a man up in a tree. This is a deliberate pursuit, and the pursuer is not Zacchaeus. It's a deliberate pursuit that's been going on since before Zacchaeus was born. And I know this because I believe it applies to him as it applies to you and me, the words that the psalmist David declared in Psalm 139, verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in the secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. The seeking Savior had been seeking Zacchaeus, just like the seeking Savior has been seeking after you. You know, back in the 90s, we'd sing this song. I don't know if you've heard it before. It was called I Found Jesus by a band called Delirious. And I loved that song because it had a really cool guitar riff that I had to learn growing up. I found Jesus. Then I tried to kind of learn how to play it. And I would sing it a lot. And, and the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, that's only partly true, though. That's only partly true. Because it, the, it would be the equivalent of the lost sheep caught in the ravine all night long, waking up and seeing the shepherd for the first time and having the gall to say, I found the shepherd. No, you didn't. The shepherd's been out looking for you all night. The shepherd found you. You just happen now to see the result of his seeking. You only, you only see the shepherd because he's been out looking for you. You see, we think we're on this incredible quest to find God, but the simple fact that we're searching is proof that he's been seeking after us. 
God began seeking Zacchaeus long before Jesus would even pass under that tree. In fact, here's a cool thought. It's my thought. It doesn't say this in Scripture. But from what I know about my God, who is all-knowing, all-powerful, and knows the days and the number of hair on my head, that God's search was set in motion the day he had that tree planted. Don't you think in the Creator's mind, who knows everything, it wasn't just a twinkle in his eye as he sees that, that first tree being planted and starting to grow and thinking one day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet my son Zacchaeus. And that's, and that's the case for us. What is the sycamore but a symbol of, of, uh, of, of God's divine encounters in our lives? I believe that there are sycamores planted in our lives, all throughout our lives, places of divine encounter orchestrated by God long before you even entered the world. I mean, I look at my sycamores. These are moments that I didn't create, I didn't produce. I'm not the one that decided I'd be part of a lineage of, of, of missionaries over four uh, generations. I didn't decide that I'd be in a home where God is first. These are things that God allowed for me to have so that they, that would be my story. My, my sycamore is, is this unknown gospel bill book for kids that as my mom read to it, it just opened my eyes to what Jesus did, that he died on the cross for my sins, that I would be uh, free as I give my life to him. But not only that, when I then saw this old and forgotten movie in this small church in, in Paris and watched it and got so touched and so convicted by this old movie of this rebel tennis player that was produced by the Billy Graham uh, Association. And it led me to go and get on my knees and repent for my sins at the age of eight. These were sycamore tree moments, sycamore moments where uh, I realized the countless mentors in my life and the sermons that I've listened to and the Bible studies that I went to and the youth camps that helped turn my curiosity into desperation. All these moments tying in together. This is a, a, a sermon about looking back and seeing God's faithfulness. Let me ask you, what are, what are your sycamores throughout life that you've encountered? These divine encountering moments. I call them God's chain of grace where through the years, links of people and events that have pointed you to Christ till one day you finally surrendered. And that's the story of some here today. But maybe you haven't yet. Maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you haven't surrendered completely. Believe this, God's been orchestrating a timeline of events and people where the Savior's been seeking you out to the point where you are now seeking Him. Wholeheartedly, maybe not quite yet, but maybe it's starting, maybe there's a stirring, and it's led you to this time and this place. Coincidence? No. Divine appointment. Divine appointment. God has been pursuing you long before you pursued God. Just like God pursued Zacchaeus long before Zacchaeus even started pursuing him. So what happens next in, in this story? We read verse 5. And I love how, how scripture says it. When Jesus came to the place, I know it's not underlined, but we almost could underline it. The, the place. This is the moment. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up. And think about that just for a moment. Let's just stop. We don't have to keep on reading. Think about that. He looked up. Jesus is surrounded by a crowd. There's so much noise in the street. So many people probably trying to talk to him and heal me and heal me. And he's walking through and he's passing under Zacchaeus on the tree and he looks up. Imagine what that must have felt for Zacchaeus to be finally noticed. What we know about him, the abandonment, the, the hatred he felt, the invisibility. And now Jesus under that tree, I can imagine Zacchaeus probably trying to hide 
in the leaves, but maybe secretly deep down he's wishing he'd be noticed. And then he hears it, the red letters. Jesus' words pierce through the noise of the crowd. Jesus' words pierce through the doubt in his heart and he hears it loud and clear. His name, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Can you imagine what he must have felt? Oh, oh my goodness, he knows my name. And he knows your name too. In fact, if you did come and you brought your outline, you took your outline, you'll notice that the title, there's, there's, it's just a blank. And that's because you're supposed to fill it with your name. The name of this sermon is your name because that's the red letters that you are to hear today, that God knows your name and he's calling you. Jesus knows your name. Go ahead and fill out your name right there. You're not just another face in the crowd. You're known by the Savior. And I can just feel the warmth in, in Jesus' voice when he, he calls out Zacchaeus and then he says, hurry, come down. And maybe he's saying that to some here this morning, hurry and come down. Leave your limitations. Acknowledge them, but don't let them hinder you from following me. Come down from the tree. Step out of your hiding and let all see that. I'm singling you out, not to embarrass you, not to make you feel uh, unwanted, not so that anybody can make fun of you. I'm singling you out to say that I love you. I'm singling you out to say this, that I want to come and stay at your house today. What an invitation. <clears throat> what an invitation Zacchaeus hears that. And I can just imagine as he's going down, like he's already shown proof that he has a, the heart like a kid, right? <clears throat> he ran ahead, he climbed a tree, and now as he's climbing down, if he's anything like my kids when they've had a pretty good day, like they, they yell out, best day ever! And I can just imagine him thinking that as he's climbing down. Best day ever! The Messiah wants to stay at my house of all people. And you know what? That is exactly what Jesus wants for you. There's only ever been one thing that Jesus wants from you and for you, and it is this, relationship. Relationship. In fact, you want to hear more of Jesus' red letters, you go to the end of the book, and this is what Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus, the seeking Savior, knew his name and wanted to stay with him. Jesus, the seeking Savior, knows your name and wants relationship with you. <clears throat> so in that moment, you know, Zacchaeus didn't have to come down. And he could have chosen to listen to the voices of doubt in his head. Think of all the excuses. And maybe some here, you'd have some excuses if, if you were in Zacchaeus's shoes, right? <clears throat> if he called out to you, could I have some water, please? If he called out to you and the excuses would flood, um, no thanks, uh, I, <laughs> I, uh, my, my house is a mess. Um, I don't have enough food, uh, no thanks. Or maybe shame would creep in and he's up in that tree. Zacchaeus, hurry, come down. Oh, no, no, I'm not here for you. I'm just looking at these pretty leaves. You know, just move along. Out of shame, I don't want to talk to you. I'm not worthy. I don't deserve this. Why are you calling me out? I just wanted to see you. And Jesus wanting to see him and do more than that and be with him. We say, stop looking at me. But Jesus is looking at us intently and, and welcoming us in. But who'd blame him if he'd have thoughts like that? 
if he'd have excuses like that. Thanks, hon. He knew his faults, and the crowd would remind him. We read in verse 7. When they saw it, they all grumbled. You know, this isn't just one little grumble. You know, this is a big crowd. It's not just one person saying, oh, you can barely hear that. But they, it says they all grumbled. Like just a, a loud groan. Talk about an awkward moment, right? As Zacchaeus is, is coming down. They all grumbled. He has gone to be in the guest of a man, with a guest, with a man who is a sinner. I don't know about, about you, but I would understand if Zacchaeus would just want to climb up and hide in that tree again. Or run home if you would have listened to those voices. How is it that he is able to not let shame get in the way? And maybe this is something someone here needs to hear because shame has been something that has been really keeping you. It's one of your limitations. How does he not let shame get in the way? How? He focused on the red letters. He focused on what Jesus was saying. Jesus' words brought acceptance and, as we'll see later, transformation. And I'm here to say this morning that you may need to hear Jesus' words because there's so many words out there. The world is telling you, your friends are telling you, people that want to really kick you down even, that are telling you things that want to keep you, more than everything, just the enemy of your soul is trying to keep you from seeking God and wanting more of Him. And if you're just stuck to that, you might let shame get in the way and go hide back in your tree. But would you just let Jesus' words bring the healing that you need, the acceptance that you need. And that's what Zacchaeus does. We notice that this kid at heart, look at his immediate response. Verse six, so he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. I mean, Zacchaeus is ripe for the taking, like pun intended, right? I mean, he's ripe for the taking. It's just obvious. Take him from the tree. He's ready. He's been seeking He started out with curiosity. It led to desperation, and now he's ready. He embraces the promises of Jesus right there at the foot of that tree. And to this day, guys, a tree remains the symbolic place where the sinner meets the Savior. I'm talking about the foot of the cross. At the cross where you are forgiven, as we heard from Pastor Roger this morning. At the cross where you are given a fresh start where all things are made new, but also at the cross where that encounter produces real change. Real change happens when you come to the foot of the cross. When you come to the foot of the tree of that encounter with Jesus, Jesus' words changed Zacchaeus. To hear his name and the invitation to come and stay with him, look at at Zacchaeus' response, even to the crowd that was grumbling. Verse 8, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. I mean, Zacchaeus does something radical here, and I want you to catch it. You see, under Mosaic law, if a thief confessed of a crime, he would have to restore what he stole, add one-fifth, and then also bring a trespass offering. This we see in Leviticus chapter 6. If, if the thief was caught red-handed, he'd have to actually repay double. We see this in Exodus chapter 22. What does Zacchaeus do? We read it. Zacchaeus, he doesn't quibble over the terms. He is so happy because he's found what he's been looking for. What does he do? He says, I'm going to restore fourfold, four times. 
I'm not thinking one fifth or double, like whatever. I, I'll give half of what I actually own and restore fourfold. Why? Because he has found what maybe most of us that have been even still been looking for. Maybe you're here and you've been looking for it. He has found the pearl that Jesus mentions where you don't care that you're paying the high price because it's worth it. Matthew 13, 45, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. We see here the seeking sinner's desperation has led him to the foot of a tree planted long before he was born. And what has he found? But the seeking savior actually searching for him all along, now wanting to stay with him. And so now, of course, he has nothing to lose and he has everything to give. And as a result, Jesus says it himself. He said, it's evident today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham, a son of faith. And so what we see here is the host, Zacchaeus, has now become the guest because he, he first welcomes Jesus, but now, and this is what we need to do, now we, we welcome Jesus, but very quickly we give him the reins. We give him control. That's why when, we, when, when, we, when someone comes to the Lord, it's this idea of coming to the Lord and acknowledging him as your savior. You, you realize what he's done for you, but also as your Lord, as your master, like lead me. And that is Zacchaeus' attitude. The host had now become the guest. Jesus was now his savior and master. And we know this, how? Because of the, the fruit of salvation. We know this because of his immediate response, but also the fruit. He hurried down, he received joyfully, and he restored abundantly. His life was completely changed. And guys, that's how we should respond to the beautiful, wonderful message of the gospel, of salvation. Warren Wearsby says it this way in talking about salvation. He says, saving faith is more than pious words and devout feelings. Going to church is not enough. Relationship, that's the key. And, and look at the relationship that he talks about. Because it creates, saving faith creates a living union with Christ. That's what we're after. It creates a living union with Christ and the result of that. Not, not, it's not what allows the living union. It's the result of the living union with Christ. That results in life change. And that's how you know. An encounter with Jesus will bring healing to your past, will bring change in your present, and will bring purpose for your future. I'm going to call the band up. As we close, I want to share one such encounter I had as a teen. I was, I was saved, but I was a doer, uh, probably because of my background. I grew up in church. I slept in church. I ate in church. I mean, I breathed in church. My dad was a pastor, is, is a pastor, and that's just how it was. But I, I, I realize now, looking back, I was just a doer. And I, I loved God with all my heart, but it was really more about doing, and I, and I felt guilty if I didn't do. It was, you could almost say it was a religion. And at a missionary conference in Mexico, all the missionary kids had been brought into one room, and we were, uh, uh, the, the, the speaker there started talking to us, and then he wanted to pray over us. And so he had all the missionary kids line up, and he just started praying for each uh, person. And I was just so excited. I thought it was kind of cool. We're all in a line. We're going to hear what the Lord wants to say. And my response, my, my thought was, I can't wait to hear what the master wants me to do. 
I can't wait to hear what my future is going to look like. What am I supposed to accomplish? What are the dreams that he's going to make me, allow me to fulfill? And, and I'm, I'm waiting there and I'm kind of like Zac- Zacchaeus. I'm antsy up in my tree. I can't wait to hear from God. I can't wait for him to call my name and, and find out what my destiny is going to be. And as I stand there, my eyes are closed. He's coming closer and closer. And all of a sudden, I feel him right in front of me and I'm expectant and I'm waiting. I can feel the breathing and there's nothing, not one word. And I'm just waiting there. Awkward moment of silence. Like what, what's going on? And what, what seemed like an eternity, it was probably just a few seconds, but it felt like an eternity. Guess what? Doubts kicked in in that moment. Well, you're not good enough. I, th- I started saying to myself, I'm not good enough, I guess. I, I'm not important enough. God doesn't have anything to say to me. He's not really going to use me. And just as I'm about to be crushed by the weight of self-inflicted rejection, I get the biggest hug. And it was the prophet who felt from the Lord to just do that. Seems strange enough. But for the doer that I was, it broke me. Because even though he didn't say anything, what I heard in my spirit was, keep doing what you're doing, but I'm more interested in who you are. Like, you're my servant, but you're also my son. And you need to learn to walk in that identity. And it just completely broke me. I received from the Lord what I needed that day. And as I was preparing this message in prayer, I wrote down something that I feel like someone here needs to hear. This is for someone here, that Jesus sees you. In fact, close your eyes just so you can hear what I'm saying. Don't be distracted. Jesus sees you. He's aware of you. He set in motion divine appointments, and this is one of them. Sycamore trees planted on your journey but also now a deep desire to seek after him. Jesus is aware of your hiding and he's found you. He knows your name. He's calling you and he wants a relationship with you. He's aware of your struggles, of your doubts and your longings. And he says, and right now I want you to whisper your name. He says, hurry, come down, open your heart, let me come in. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And so wherever you are right now, if you hear the sound of my voice, and I'm aware that I'm talking to people in the room, people maybe watching online, maybe someone here will feel compelled to share this message and someone else is hearing this days from now. Those who hear the sound of my voice right now, this is what I want you to hear from the Lord, that you're seen You're known and you're deeply loved by the seeking Savior. He's been seeking after you. You know, when Zacchaeus heard that, he hurried down, he received joyfully, and he restored abundantly. That's the response that we need to have. Wherever you are on your journey, maybe you would say, I have a relationship with God. Well, if you're anything like me, I I always want more. I'm going to always want more of God. I'm never going to be fully satisfied. I want more. So I hope that's your desire. I hope that there's, I hope that that desperation has not died. A lot of times we see God until we found him and we think that's it. No, it's just the beginning. My prayer is that if you have a relationship with Christ, that you would want to develop that more and that there would be such desperation to know him more. And if you're here and you're up in that tree and you're hiding, 
maybe out of shame or what people have said about you or what you even, maybe you've heard the church say about you. That's religion. Listen to the red letters. Jesus says that you are accepted, that you're wanted, that you're desired. Hurry, come down, receive joyfully and watch how life change occurs because of that encounter with the Savior. So what will your response be? Like I said, we're all on different um, parts of our journey. But I take us back to what we sang this morning. Where would I be without your love? Where would I be without your grace? And I want you to just look back and let the Holy Spirit start showing you the sycamores along your way. People or the events that have led you. All I can say, I don't know all of your stories. All I can say is what I see, and what I see is that you are here right now. Coincidence or divine appointment? I think we owe it to ourselves to respond. To respond, and hopefully it's in desperation. So let's step out of hiding today. Let's come into the light this morning. Hear the Lord calling you by name. Hear him tell you to hurry and come down. Hear him say, I want to stay with you. I want relationship with you. I want to talk with you, not just to you. So Lord, everybody here in this room, deep down we all recognize that we're all small. We don't measure up. Christ is the one that measure it up. And through him, we have life. Through you, through you, Jesus, we have life. Through you, we have relationship with the Father. And so right now, God, that's what, what our desire is. Much like Zacchaeus' encounter with you, Jesus, led to such life change. Lord, that is our desire as well, that we leave here completely different than how we came. Thank you for this transformation now as we acknowledge what you have done for us, who you are and what you say about us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand and let's sing that song again. Where would I be? And maybe let the Holy Spirit continue to show you those moments that your heart would be filled with gratitude and that you would respond appropriately. We have prayer teams that will be available to you after. And uh, how interesting, it's at the foot of a tree as well. Come to the cross, receive prayer. Uh, and receive maybe a word from the Lord. But let's sing together as we close. Thanks for hanging out with us at Generation. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at Generation Pensacola or go to the website at generationpensacola.com and from wherever you download your podcasts. If today's teaching impacted you, we'd love to hear about it. So please drop us a note.